0: You're listening to The Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 118. If you've been through job after job and have yet to land the one that fills all the boxes, you'll have to hear today's story. After working at a few large and impressive companies, Katie discovered that the path to being an entrepreneur was most fulfilling. Along the way, she created an attainable and helpful program for her community hi katie welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for having me maria i'm really excited to be here
0: I can't wait to dive into today's topic. Can you tell me about your background and how that led you to start your own business, KW Content?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I, my background, I was, interestingly enough or funnily enough, a French major at school. I've just always really enjoyed communicating and that kind of led me down that path, which then led me after school to think to myself, what am I going to do with this? I have no idea. And so I'm from Vermont and I came back, from, back to Vermont where Burton snowboards or the biggest global snowboarding company in the world is headquartered. And I was a French speaking customer service rep for a couple of seasons before I got pulled into the CEO and founder's office. And in his office while I was there for a few years, uh, I also went back to school, got my MBA um, and realized that I was really interested in marketing for the most part from my passion for just communicating. And for me, um, I'm a much stronger writer than visual communicator. And so eventually I found my way into the marketing department, And I was managing one of our blogs there. And, you know, social media was pretty new at the time. And we had had a couple of social media managers, you know, maybe over the course of like 18 months. And somebody left, and I was the youngest person in the marketing or the content marketing department at that time. And so they said, Katie, you'll do it. And essentially, that is how I found my way into social media marketing, where I have been for the last 10 years for my entire career. So by the time I left Burton, I was managing two blogs. Uh, three different brands across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. TikTok didn't exist at the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, from there, I think anyone who works in social media knows that um, there it, it can feel like there is a dissonance between the responsibility you have um, to engage and communicate and be the front lines and touch point for all of your customers on a daily basis and the amount of, you know, your, your salary or your position and all of that good stuff. So after a while, I kind of just was like hungry for more felt like I had a ton of responsibility, but couldn't quite get myself to where I wanted to go. I went into the beauty industry at Tata Harper skincare and had a little bit of the same same thing happened. And essentially, and I have no ill will, like both of those brands were great places to work, but I just wanted more. And so for me, it was really I set out to found my own business really with a few things in mind, I just wanted to do work I loved get paid what I thought I was worth and live in Vermont. And i felt Like that wasn't too much to ask out of my life. But after, you know, among the over those years of working at those two brands, I, of course, was also applying to a ton of jobs, couldn't get interviews, and just was like, you know what? It's time for me to take matters into my own hands. And that's how we ended up here.
0: That's awesome. I love that you didn't keep looking for the right place that would accept you, you know, that you decided to. I think you really just sounds like you defined what you wanted out of your life and then said the best way to do it is if I just started my own business.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny what happened. When um, once I made that decision and started talking to some of the same brands that I had applied for or had been looking at when I was kind of in the you know full time position mindset, all of a sudden I would have conversations with these brands as a freelancer or a consultant, and they were saying, "Well, are you interested in a full time job?" <laughs> and it was just such a funny, such a funny reframe and flip. It's like once you make one decision, there's always there's always something kind of waiting to distract you, and and so I, I'm really happy. that I kind of stuck to it and charging forward. Yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. Especially when you're new in business, it's so tempting to say, well, gosh, it's a secure paycheck. It's insurance. It's, you know, you don't have to figure much out. It's all planned out for you and you just have to be really good at your role, I guess. But that's awesome. I love that you stuck to your guns. (laughs) Thanks. So I noticed on your site that you, you describe your content strategies as left brain magic and right brain logic. Can you explain yep. how we often miss the mark when we put out content or when we're trying to come up with content mm-hmm. strategy?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, for me, I see it in two different Places. So I kind of came from not huge brand and not huge corporate, but like corporate style marketing. And for the most part, we see at bigger brands, there is a separation between the creative department and then the performance marketers or the digital strategists. And so you have all of these resources going into creating content. And these people who are creating the content are pretty far removed from then strategic decisions that are being made. And I always found for me and my experience, I always found that super wasteful. And I just was really interested from the very beginning about bridging that gap. And then I see the same thing happening today. You have like, if you're looking for education on content and social media marketing, you often find, I mean, right now my Instagram algorithm is of course just like, it's all about this field. And I see two sides. We're either talking about creative and how to produce content and how to use Canva and how to use Reels and what it all needs to look like. And then on the other side, you have Facebook ad marketers saying, you know, none of that matters. This is what you need you need a funnel. And I think that so often we're learning these two things in a vacuum. And what really drives a brand forward is bringing those two things together, being able to communicate in a really solid, creative, moving way, having great content that speaks to your audience, and then also having a distribution plan um, to match that and aligning your budget to your business goals and really understanding unique to you, your brand, your customers, where you're currently at and your goals, what stories you need to be telling and what performance levers you need to pull. So for us, we are always looking at these two things at the exact same time, hand in hand. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, that the explanation behind how we think about that
0: a lot of small business owners they want to appear a little bit bigger than they really are and sometimes the charm in having a small business is that you're maybe one or two person team and it's very relatable and I think even more likable but you know oftentimes I find that small business owners want to appear really really big and they take themselves out of the equation and they use you know we as opposed to I uh, words and I think that really is a disservice to the company you you know, to the business you're trying to grow. It almost seems like you're trying to remove yourself from the brand. And the brands that I think we tend to fall in love with are the ones with personalities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, and studies show now more than ever, consumers want to feel a connection to the brands that they're buying from. And I think there's a lot of ways to do it. I understand some small business owners are just like, I do not want to be in front of the camera, but I agree. There's many different ways to kind of bring your personality into the fold, and that's a frequently asked question I get from our students: is should I use I or should I use we? And I'm like, I think you know you can use both depending on the context. I think it's fun to bring in I from time to time so people know and connect to that person. And most often when I am using we, I'm either referring to my small little team um, or maybe we as the community of people that you know follow my brand and and support our brand and engage in our community and and kind of like the collective mindset of us and values and all that good stuff. But I completely agree that I believe being small is a competitive advantage right now. Um, yes. And I, Really encourage people to lean into that,
0: right? Well, what do you feel is the biggest struggle in creating a content strategy?
1: I well, oof, one struggle. <laughs> I think one of my biggest one of my biggest gripes is the marketing industry and social media. I don't mean to sound salty or combative, but I just think that the kind of commoditization of I hope I said that word right, but of of marketing and these like one size fits all strategies and templates. And plug and play. I mean, for one, you have a ton of brands looking exactly the same because they're following, they're buying the same products and just plug and playing. Um, And I think that it creates this environment where there's just so much waste. Because if I just buy a one-size-fits-all strategy without really accounting for, again, like my brand, the price point of my product, how big my market is, how many customers I already have versus need to get, and what my unique goals are, if I'm not engineering a unique content strategy and marketing strategy with all of those pieces in mind, then I might be wasting a lot of time following a roadmap that wasn't necessarily Least, you know, suited for my business. So I think that's. That's one of the biggest issues that I see. And then I I think it just creates again, just there's just so much waste. There's kind of waste of time. Like we're creating all of this content, but we don't really know what it's supposed to be doing and where it's supposed to be going. We're wasting money because we're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and nothing's really working. And maybe we're putting money behind posts, but we don't know exactly what we're doing. And then there's the opportunity cost, which is also a form of waste, like of not getting it right. Right. So it just i think is sort of this vicious cycle of like churn and burn and and not really and and then then and there's just so much pressure because you have influencers that you know you're hearing thousands of times a day how important it is to do this one type of content and all of this stuff and it's just shiny object syndrome and all that stuff so it becomes hard to just um you know the the fact is that creating a content strategy is actually pretty simple um but it's all of the distractions that make it hard to just focus and feel confident i think about staying in your lane, like once you pick a strategy sticking with it. So that might be more than one.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's exhausting when you hear and see everything that everybody's saying to do. And then you try different methods and like you were saying, it's you're just kind of putting it out there and seeing if it works. So without being specific, without having the numbers, without following, you know, your own algorithm or, you know, maybe the stats on on what you're posting, it almost seems impossible to know what's working. So yeah. with that in mind, um how does your approach differ. Like say somebody is saying, "Okay, I need help. Can you tell me how your approach is a little different? I just get the feeling that your approach is very to the point. When I did my research, I found that Zencaster was by far the best choice for my podcast. I wanted clear sound, the ability to record HD video, automatic transcripts, and most importantly, I was looking for a platform that was easy to use, not just for me, but also for my guests. I love that there's nothing to download, and with just a click, I can interview business owners worldwide. If you've been putting off making the switch, or maybe you've yet to launch your podcast, believe me, I've done the homework, and I know you'll be happy to join the Zencaster family. I want you to have the same and easy experience in your podcasting journey. Visit zen.ai backslash handmade CEO pod zero and enter promo code handmade CEO zero to get 30% off your first three months. That's zen.ai backslash handmade CEO zero. I'll also have the link for you in the show notes. It's time to share your story.
1: Yeah, so there's kind of so I'll try to I'm gonna try to keep this concise. There's again, there are the two layers. There's the message and what we're saying. And then there are how are we getting this into the right place at the right time? Each message, right? And um, so I have this thing called the three by three model. I, I appear to put all of my frameworks into three. So I always say three phases of content strategy. The first is strategic, like who are we talking to? What are we saying, and how does it look, feel, and sound? And in order to architect that, I like to create content pillars, not five, not 10, not one for every month of the year, but just three that are always on. And I'll talk about that in a second. And then the second phase of building your content strategy is tactical. And we're answering the question of like, okay, how do we get the right message in the right place at the right time? And then the third is pushing it to market, but knowing what you're measuring. So each pillar really should have a different, you know, it's like I hear students say all the time, well, when I, when I feature my products, I always get less likes. And I'm like, well, the goal isn't likes on a product post. The goal is clicks and purchases. So if we're measuring the wrong way, then we're always going to be in the dark. So for me, when I think about content pillars, I always ask people to like pause for a second and remember that this is social. You know, social media has become pretty just kind of perverted with advertising now. But when it comes to really what our customers are doing on there, they're going on just as humans that want a little bit of entertainment, a break in their day. Like they're looking to be distracted and so it really is a social platform, and when you think about relationships, if you think about you know maybe the last time you went to a cocktail party and there was someone there and you wanted an intro to them and you wanted to impress them for some reason or maybe you needed a favor from them, you wouldn't just show up and start talking about yourself, right? You, because right. Then they would be like, "What? Who is this person?" <laughs> Get me away from. I <laughs> mean, um, I think I have a you know the no like and trust model. It works in certain like I I know there's a place for it in marketing, but I don't think that social media marketing is the place for it because it's all about you. And when you think about trying to make a new friend, what you would do is you would do research about that person, right? And you would find something that you had in common. And so maybe you find out that you both love cooking and you're going to start the conversation there, or you both like a certain sport. So you're going to somehow just drop that into the beginning of the conversation as though you didn't realize they liked it too. (laughs) And if all else fails and you both have kids, you'll start the conversation with kids. And then, and slowly over the course of that conversation, right, by starting it in a place of mutual ground where you're not asking them for anything, there's trust that builds. And then there's all of a sudden from that trust, there becomes an interest in you and what you have to offer. And social media is the same way. So our content pillars, we really want to engineer three. We want one that is all about the mutual ground. So this is content that can be valuable to our target audience even if they don't buy from us. A really great example would be um food brands that post recipes, right? And maybe the recipe features my food products, but like you can create this with whatever food products you have in your fridge or in your pantry. So that's that mutual ground. It could be, you know, for me, I my my target audience is small business owners and so this mutual ground could be how to use social media marketing to grow your business. It could just be on Instagram like inspirational quotes, right? We talk about um, Um, For us, it's called words of encouragement. We try to meet our person where they are right when they need it with some like message that encourages them to keep going because we know how hard entrepreneurship can be. Right. Right. So that's that's pillar one. It's just like, what is what is that mutual interest? between your target audience and your product. You know, it should precede an interest in, in your product. So um, if you're interested in this recipe, the likelihood is even if you don't want to buy this product right now, you are, you are qualified to buy my product. There's an interest in it. And then pillar two is all about your product. That's where you feature, you know, the, the important details and benefits, features and benefits of your product. Um, it's where you help your customers understand once they've built curiosity and trust and interest via pillar one content, it's where you help them, you know, with calls to action on where to find your product or service. And then pillar three is really where all the know, like, and trust stuff can live. And it should only be about 20% of your content. This is the behind the scenes stuff. And it's the stuff I always describe it as like, it's that point in the conversation where you're like, did we just become best friends? Like you, you all of a sudden, um, you know, it's, it's your values. It's your mission. If you have unique stuff about your supply chain and maybe it's just your personality and behind the scenes, all of that is pillar three. It's the stuff that, you know, once, once someone has gotten to know you, maybe tried your product. Um, or they're on the fence. It's the details that really like entrench them into their your their relationship with you um, and make space for you and decide, you know, that they're gonna be loyal to you, right? Beyond a single purchase.
0: Well, I love that you mentioned that it's important to have different metrics or guidelines for the different pillars because it does feel a little um, scary when you post a, a product uh, image or you're sharing a product and it feels like fewer people are actually interested in that. And then yeah. it seems like, what well, she's maybe I should never do that again. So you're saying it's completely normal to have different, we should have different expectations for the different pillars.
1: Absolutely. So there's two things that I would add. I would add that you are targeting slightly different oftentimes audiences with those messages and you want to measure success differently. So what's really great about organizing your content into those pillars is that Now, if you go back to pillar one and think about that mutual interest, it's qualifying interest in your brand, that is your awareness brand building content that's content that you want to get in front of people who kind of look like your customers. And you can do that with, you know, different audience targeting techniques that we don't need to get into right now, but it's like, that's where you're going to grow your audience. And that, you know, you want to measure through likes and shares. And so you should be thinking about that content through that lens. Like what is content that is likable and shareable? It's snackable, it's social, it's valuable, it's shareable. Your pillar two content, that's stuff you want to get in front of your warmest audiences. You don't necessarily want to get that in front of cold audiences. You want it, if, if, you know, back before IOS, which we can still do this a little bit, but retarget your recent website visitors, right? Or send it over email or send it just to your warmest social audience. And there you're looking at clicks, purchases, and um, sometimes saves, I think, are relevant to there because they might be like, oh, this is interesting. I don't have time to check out right now, but I want to save it for later. And I also think it's important to remember that just like a funnel getting you know, more narrow towards the bottom, there may be fewer clicks and buys than saves on a Pillar 1 post, but that's okay because clicks and buys are a way higher value activity for your customer or prospect to take with you. So definitely, definitely. Definitely, you know, making sure that you're measuring success appropriately, and it always, always, I mean, I have studied thousands of brands, and pillar two content almost always gets fewer engagements um, across industry leaders, and and no matter what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, and as a consumer, I would say that I would you know, I'm always interested if I really like the person that I'm following, I'm always interested in seeing what they have to offer, but I'm not always ready to buy at that moment. So it's okay. I think I say this a lot, but I feel like a lot of what we forget is to look at how we are as a consumer ourselves and not to take it so personal when somebody is being just like you.
1: A hundred percent. And I think there's this a lot of times in small businesses and small business owners, we have this mentality of like, we feel like we're being a burden. We feel like we're being annoying, but you're, you're of service to your customers. Like they wouldn't be following you. They wouldn't be on their, your email list if they weren't interested in what you had. And you're exactly right. Like we get, we all get hit with thousands of messages every single day. We don't have the bandwidth to act on all of them, but by letting them, I mean, you're you're in their minds, you're top of mind, and you're helping them check out with what they need when they need it. You're not doing any favors by just shutting down and and kind of, you know, saying, I'm never going to talk about my products or offerings ever again. um, Because it's just a matter of helping them, like you're saying, like when they're ready. Um, So couldn't agree with you more. Perfect.
0: Can you give us a little explanation or can you give us an explanation of the services that you offer?
1: Yeah. So we started, you know, I've had my agency, KW Content, since 2017. And um, inside of KW Content, we do all kind of full service content. And strategy and social media marketing work. And we definitely, one of the, I guess, shortcomings, I would say, <laughs> transparently about our agency is that it's boutique-y, it's really hands-on, it's full service, and therefore the budgets are a little bit bigger. And so we kind of skew more towards medium and larger size businesses. Um, but our, pan- our sort of 2020 silver lining was in March of 2020, I did not have any essential industry clients. And there was week period where we thought we were going to lose 80% of our revenue. I didn't know if I'd be able to keep my team. And so we pivoted and launched um, an online learning environment called Strong Brand Social. And so now we have a whole series of different courses, a membership. We have all different levels of kind of course materials in terms of commitment and how long it takes and all these different ways to kind of work with me and my team and in more of a group setting or consulting capacity. And so we're really, Strong Brand Social is sort of our pride and joy right now. And so we have everything from a product called Strong Brand Social Express, which is just $37. And it's like a 90 minute crash course. And sort of what I saw on the in the social media industry is like I said, in the beginning of this conversation, it's so siloed. Everything is just like either creative or performance. And so, and it's like, some people talk about influencers and some people don't ever talk about influencers. And so what we did with Strong Brand Social Express is say, look, it's one part background of the field. Like if you consume this, you will understand the entire breadth of the field there will you don't need to do all of these things at once but they'll be on your radar and you'll you'll know there won't be any more like blind spots waiting for you you think you've gotten everything dialed and then oh you never knew about this other thing you had to do so it's 50 That and 50% actionable tips that like if you implement immediately, you'll see an immediate lift in your in your performance of your social media program. So we have that little 90 minute and 90 minute crash course. We have, you know, a longer kind of eight-week group program course where we build content strategies together and a membership where we help you implement everything. So that's what we're really excited about right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love the strong brand social express. I feel like that is something that is digestible. It's only 90 minutes. It's 30 seven dollars, which is very attainable. So um, sometimes getting just some of those questions answered. Yeah. It removes a little bit of the fear or the paralyzation of, I don't know what to do, how to do it. I'm just not going to do it. So just being able to remove that, I think, makes it so, so much more approachable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it is is helping people move forward because I think that's the biggest thing is that we know it's not going away, right? Digital marketing isn't going away. And I think we have a tendency to feel like, oh, like, are we behind? Is it too late to start? And it's like, "Eh, we're just getting started here. (laughs) So... You know, social hasn't really been around that long. And so while it is sure to evolve and change the fundamentals of how to communicate with your customer on social in a way that gets their attention, cuts through the noise, connects emotionally and brings them back towards you, that's not going to change regardless of the platform that we're using. And, you know, I talk to our small business owner, owner community all of the time about like, you don't necessarily need to be the person doing this, but because we all have so much else we need to do in our business, but you need to know enough to lead it, right? You need to know this isn't going away. It's mission critical to our business. So you need to know enough to figure out how to solve problems in the right order, chip away at building your program, know what success looks like so that you can manage someone who would work on it for you, right? So regardless of how you're going to get it done, I think really deciding to look it in the eye and face it versus looking the other way is that's, I think, what this moment right now is all about.
0: Definitely. Can you give me an example of a success story? Maybe somebody that's gone through the course or the eight-week program.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I love our community because success looks different for everyone. So some one story that comes to mind is um, Jamison Ray Jewelry. You can find her online. Um, She's a family owned jewelry store out of Idaho, you know, was heavy retail before the pandemic hit. And she also really like she's she's had this business, I want to say for 13 years, and just it was really plateaued. And she felt like now she was in a place in her life, her children were a little bit older, she was ready to kind of Work on it and see where she could go, and you know she went through strong brand social express, she stuck with us, then she built a content strategy with us and and jumped into the membership into the club and in January of 2020. I think she texted me and said, My online sales are up 200% year over year. And it's just like 100% because we just did everything you said to do. And, you know, she's just, that was however many months ago, seven months ago now. And she's just continued to soar. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of case studies like that, quite frankly. Um, But then I love, you know, we have, we also have like makers and different types of businesses that aren't necessarily, they're not looking for 200% growth. There's a woman named Marilyn that comes to mind that creates these like handcrafted, um, really beautiful like spoons and other sorts of utensils. And she said to me, you know, she's done the same thing is stronger in social express content strategy, and then in the membership, and she wrote me a, a letter and just said, like, thank you for getting me like, it's not always about I didn't want to grow my business by 200%. I wanted to learn how to create community and create a For me and my customers to connect further and have conversations about what they want, and you know that's a lot. That's something that we talk about all the time. It's sort of like for small businesses, I think about business growth by community building, right? That's like sometimes a little easier for us to wrap our minds around because inherently, I think a lot of small business owners value community. So when you think about it, through community building is actually the the means to the end of business growth. Like that's a really really nice way for us to think about it. And so those are a couple that come to mind. But we've been really lucky to work with thousands of businesses at this point and um, and see a lot of success stories so it's been a it's been a just an, an awesome experience the strong brand social experience has been awesome for me <laughs> that yeah.
0: oh yeah it sounds completely incredible and it seems like the the most important takeaway is that yeah I mean as a consumer again we love communities so we love to feel like we're part of a group or you know me too you know like oh, that belongs to me too or I, I I have those feelings or I love that brand, or I love. So, to be able to encourage people to grow through community, I think is probably one of the most valuable lessons. Yeah. Do you have um, any actionable tips for somebody maybe interested in redefining their brand or maybe trying to come up with a good strategy? Like something really simple that maybe someone can take away and, and start doing?
1: Yeah, I would say two things. One is take a step back and turn off your screens and think about your customer <laughs> and um, just get away from the noise. And and start to kind of embrace the concept of thinking for yourself. And because you know your customer better than anyone else. And so I think, you know, a really an exercise that I would do immediately is to think about that person. What do you think? You don't need all of the research. You don't need tech. You don't need a lot of the things that we say you need. You just need to think about your customer and imagine what do you think they're doing when they're on social media? And what other brands do you think they follow? And how do you think they consume content? Are they active? creating content? Or do you think they're passively scrolling in the beginning of the day or at the end of the day and sharing content that they find interesting? And once you've answered some of those questions, go take a look at what some of those brands, big industry leader brands that you think that they follow are doing. Take a look at some of those brands' highest performing content and start to think about what that means for you. And then start to go into that kind of pillar one thought process of like, okay, so here's my products and here's this person and here's what they like. Doing on social media, and here's what resonates with them. Where do I fit into that? You know, what is that? ground for us. And then brainstorm that content and give it a whirl and see how it goes. You know, that's really the I always say there's after we create a content strategy, it's just 90 days of action. Just post and try stuff. And then at the end of 90 days, evaluate and then start doubling down on the stuff that resonated the most with your audience, you know?
0: That's great. And 90 days, okay, that's something that needs to really um I think people need to hear that because to me, 90 days feels like a very long time. But (laughs) but that sounds Um, like you're going to get a really good amount of information back from your you know, your ideal audience, if if they're liking I, it or not liking it.
1: I think it's important to give that time frame. I will give a disclaimer that I'm not a social consultant that, that perpetuates this idea that you should be posting every single day. So if you're posting every day, yes. you could shorten up that time frame. But for me, we're usually posting 12 to 15 times a month. So with that cadence, I do think 90 days is a really good timeline because sometimes posts get through and the feedback that we get on them is really straightforward and direct and clear other times our post gets like buried in the algorithm due to either a glitch on the platform that day or what the algorithm is changing or doing and so I think having enough evidence that you can find patterns that's really why I like that 90 day mark
0: yes that makes so much sense well do you have a valuable piece of advice that maybe you learned from starting your own business
1: a valuable piece of advice yeah I think um from starting my own business and relating that to kind of what we're talking about today I think really being aware of where you excel. I mean, I don't mean to sound cliche because I know we all hear all the time of stay in your zone of genius, but it's true. Um, and so for example, when you approach the field of content and social media, there may be certain things that you like more than others. Um, and so I'm a huge proponent of, of learning to build this capacity in-house. Even if you hire someone to help you, a community manager, maybe a designer, whatever it is that is a complement to your skill sets, it's really, really valuable to have this in-house because you're gonna just have a better connection with your customers. Um, and so as you start to think about that, like it is totally, Fine if you do some of the content planning, just the copywriting and nothing else. That's what my brother does. He owns a kitchen store, he really wants to manage the message but he doesn't have time to do everything else. And so I think within content and social, there are so many different sort of skills. There's content planning, which is kind of creative, but also you're working on like, what is your product calendar doing, right? Um, you need a good, good understanding of the business and your customers. Then there's writing, there's designing, there's visual assets. Um, and then there's the like technical part of posting the thing. <laughs> and then right. there's the social part of managing your community. And so I would encourage everyone to do these things and listen to like when you feel in flow and when what do you enjoy and keep that And then find you know resource efficient help to help you with the rest. And like that's, I mean, that relates to just this specific topic we're talking about, and all of business. I feel like we have grown really rapidly, and I am every three months just checking in on like what is my personal scope of work and that of my team members, and are they still, are we still the right person to be doing this job? And that's just like a continuous evaluation and optimization, and it goes with marketing as well. I think, especially for boot strapping business owners that are building it from scratch from the ground up and can't afford, you know, all of the help all at once. It's, right. it's an important way to think about content and social media as well.
0: Yeah, so I agree. I feel like that's the thing we always forget to do. And you look back a couple of years in and you're thinking, wow, like I'm still doing everything. And it kind of burns you out and you're you gonna lose interest where if, if you only focus on those things that you're really passionate about, it just makes so much more sense and you enjoy it so much more.
1: Right, and that's why we all started businesses in the first place. Exactly. So that we- <laughs> (laughs) work we wanted to do. But yeah, and I totally agree. And I think that's a really important thing is on the flip side, it's like if you're feeling and recognizing that you are burnt out, like something is, you know, you're not, you're not enjoying, that's a really good place to look immediately. And I'm, I'm personally going through that process right now as well. I've been sort of all year kind of coming out of just 2020 was just so intense and hectic that I've known from the very beginning of this year that it would probably take me all year. But my goal was to end and end up in 2022 with a scope of work that I was really passionate. About and felt good about, and so I think having patience for it, but knowing it's a it's definitely a worthy cause um, to be thinking about because it's your life, it's day to day, and it's it's your mental health and all of that. Right, true, yeah. There's nothing
0: worse than when you do start a business and all of a sudden it becomes just as bad as working for somebody else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like heartbreaking, really.
0: Exactly. Well, sure. um, what's the
1: best way to connect with you? Yeah. So I would say if you are interested in checking out Strong Brand Social Express, uh, it's strong and social.com. And then if you have any questions for me or my team, our email is hello at kwcontent.com. So both of those places work.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Katie. This was a blast. Thank you so
1: much, Maria. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, there you have it, my friend, another talented CEO sharing her knowledge and passion with the world. I love that Katie broke down each pillar of social media and furthermore explained that each will be received differently. Go to handmadeceo.com to connect with Katie and to join her community. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job.